0: Well, this morning we are continuing our series called In Real Life, and specifically we're talking about the act of fasting. And um, it may seem like an odd time of year to teach on fasting. Um, It was intentional to be a part of this series. Uh, It was just kind of dumb luck that it fell on Thanksgiving weekend, um, a time in our uh, culture where it is not only okay, it is also encouraged to stuff your face beyond all capacity, um, the question, are you full, doesn't apply on Thanksgiving. It's more a question of, have you tried this yet? And if it's no, then you get served some, and you can try that. And so you can have 18 pies, and you get to try every kind. Then you find the one you like, you try to hide it to the back so no one eats it, and then you can take it home for leftovers. But at Thanksgiving, we get to indulge ourselves in the joy of eating as we give Thanks. Amen. that's one picture you could say of Thanksgiving, this, this indulgence of this, this good food, and um, at, at the, uh, the joy of celebrating two different Thanksgivings uh, with, with three different birds. That one, we had two birds, and every one was cooked differently. We had a deep-fried one, we had a traditional oven baked with all the goods and the stuffing and all that, and then we had a smoked turkey, and... Um, I got to admit, my votes for the smoked turkey. It was by far the juiciest and the most flavorful. You can have your opinion. I don't mind if you're wrong, but the, the smoked one was the way to go. Um, we even had a ham and then ham's little brother bacon. So it, it was a great spread. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's this time where we just really enjoy food and we, we, we have a feast together. It's also maybe an odd time to teach on fasting because uh, it was Black Friday weekend. It's kind of weird to call it Black Friday because it's a weekend now. It's starting on Thursday all the way, sales going on through Sunday. And it's a time in our culture where socially we're encouraged, uh, tempted maybe even, to, to stuff instead of our faces, to stuff our credit cards full with as much stuff as we can buy, all under the guise of getting a good deal on something. And really, it's just this mindset of indulging ourselves in the joy of things, of toys, of, of entertainment, of things that we can acquire, um, things that money can buy. and uh, It's also a, a different train of thought. It's, it's an interesting Sunday to teach on fasting because, as we've already seen, it's, it's the first Sunday of the month here at Meadowland. Uh, every first Sunday, we celebrate communion together. And so it's an opportunity for us to come together at the Lord's table, and that's an accurate description of what communion is, is the Lord's table, and I believe it's a picture of what's to come in heaven, where there's a feast, there's a celebration as we are with Christ in person, and can be in His company. And so it's definitely a time where uh, to celebrate and to enjoy food and enjoy each other's company. And and what's interesting is is really the the overarching, one of the overarching aspects of this series in real life is about pursuing God. What are some spiritual disciplines? What are some tools in our our tool bag um, to how we can pursue God? We've talked about uh, how we can do that through our finances, how we can do that through God's Word and through prayer, uh, both on a a private level, in our own uh, homes, our own lives, and and a corporate level, along with some other people in in our life. Last week we talked about evangelism, how we can uh, pursue God by sharing what He's doing in our lives with other people. And and today we're going to talk about pursuing God through fasting. What's interesting is each of those examples, uh, depending on how we respond, they're not necessarily bad things. You know, to, to to gorge yourself on, yeah, maybe that's the bad part, but to, to fill yourself up on Thanksgiving meals and to give thanks to God, to give Him the glory, because He's the one who created the, the turkey. He's the one who created all, all, all the different ingredients that go into this meal um, He's the one that has, has blessed us with children that have children, that have grandchildren, you know, as it goes on, that, that develop these families as you gather together. And scripture pretty clear that the children are, are blessing from the Lord. And, and so if we look at it that way and say, glory to God, thanks be to God, thank you, God, for where we live, the freedoms that we have. And, you know, we, we didn't get to choose where we were born as far as what country or what state or what family. And, and so we can thank God for those things and, and really, uh, Enjoy that time together and give God his glory. We can even go about our Black Friday weekend in a similar fashion where, um, you know, make wise choices with our finances and be good stewards of what God's given us. Uh, maybe our, our goal, and if you do venture out in a Black Friday weekend to buy some stuff, is to buy for others and to want to be generous and, and, and give God glory in that sense. And so these are all things that can be good but there are also things that, that can take over in certain aspects. and um, so That's what I'm talk about a little bit as we get into fasting. Um, but as we talk about pursuing God, we, we first have to acknowledge something here. We have to acknowledge that God pursued us first. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While each one of us was still in sin, Christ died for us. God's already extended a hand to us. God's already reached out to us, already knows us, already pursues us, and wants to be in relationship with us. Wants us to run to him and find salvation in Jesus. That's the second thing we need to acknowledge. Uh, one, he pursues us first, and two, salvation is in Christ alone. There's no and, there's no Jesus and. it's uh, no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. And so we acknowledge that the, as we uh, uh, see the reality of our own sin, as we see the, the reality of the ways that we've fallen short of the glory of God, uh, that the God has provided a way that when we say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. You claim to be God. You died on the cross, and you rose again, defeating death three days later, and ascended into heaven. I believe that happened. We confess that, and we trust that uh, uh, Christ's atoning work on the cross has paid the price, atoned for, um, paid the price for our sins, for our mistakes. We are washed clean and we can stand before a holy God as pure and righteous because of the work that Jesus has done in us. So God pursues us first and salvation is through Jesus alone. But there's still an aspect we have involvement in this as we work out our salvation in our daily lives. So God pursued us, we are made clean, we are forgiven in Jesus, in Jesus alone. He makes us a new creation. Uh, scripture talks about taking off the old self and putting on the new. Uh, and and the, the, ling- the language of it is like clothing. Like you would take off the old clothes at the end of the day, and then you put on new clothes in the morning. In that same way, there's aspects of our lives that we need to take off, and then new things we need to, to put on. And some of the values that we have here at Meadowland but illustrate this is that we believe living things grow, and then growing things change. A seed that's planted that grows into a sapling that grows into a, a, a young tree, that grows into a, a mammoth oak, you know, it that, that changes. It grows in, into what that seed had, you know, what the intent of that seed was, what God made it for. And, and so God loves us as we are and offers us forgiveness in Christ but then wants to do a work in us. And that's that daily working out our salvation between us and God. We are forgiven, but there's still that, that work. And, and disciplines help us in that journey. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, different spiritual disciplines that can help us in that journey to, to grow in our faith. It's really a question we can ask this morning, more so than fasting. Questions about fasting is, how are you pursuing God? In what ways in your life are you pursuing God? We've already talked about some over the past four weeks, and, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. But when you think about your your life, in what way are you pursuing God? Maybe there's some of you here, I hope there are, where as you've been walking through this series, these are things that either you've been walking with God on or, or that just, it's new stuff that you're learning and soaking up, and you're just growing every day, and you're seeing big things happen, you're seeing God do crazy awesome stuff in your life, and you're like, God, this is amazing. Maybe there's some of us here where... We got some questions, we got some hesitations, some doubts, but we don't really do much with it because, you know, real life is happening and and, and the physical world that we can see and touch uh, takes precedence, and we just kind of put that on the back burner. Or maybe we fall somewhere in the middle in there. But how are you pursuing God right now? Is there a way that you want to turn up the temperature on that? Well, see, fasting is just one of the tools in the toolbox of building our lives on the foundation of Jesus. If we're going to build our lives up on the foundation of Jesus, fasting is one of the tools that we can use in that toolbox. That's what we're going to look at here this morning. Um, If you've been following along in this series, either online or um, over the past couple of weeks, you'll see that the the intro video is a little different than we've had in the past. Uh, We've been having these these real-life personal testimonies of people from within our own body sitting down in front of a camera in their homes just sharing their lives. So here's how how this... uh, uh, this discipline has played out in my life, and here's how God's revealing himself. Here's how God's working in me and changing me. Here's how I'm growing because of what God is doing as um, I build my house on his foundation. And so I tried to find someone to do that with uh, for fasting. Uh, it was by no means an exhaustive search, um, but it was much more difficult than, than the other weeks. Uh, and I think that kind of gives an a, a insight into where our culture is right now. Um, in our present day culture, I would argue that fasting is a widely unutilized spiritual discipline. Not just underutilized, but unutilized. Where well, I would argue that there's a, there's a, there's a large number uh, of followers of Jesus who have just never experienced fasting. They've never even picked up that tool and, and used it to uh, grow in their faith. I'd also say it's a widely undiscussed discipline. And we're going to see in the passages we're going to look into that there is a definite personal and intimate aspect of fasting between you and God, and that's the heart of pursuit towards God that it should be done out of. And so naturally, that kind of lends it to this, okay, I'm good here, it's just my private life kind of thing. But sometimes we use that private life aspect as a pass. Oh, well, no one's going to see if I do it or not, so I'm good. Oh, yeah, I fast. Or whether you even, you know regardless of how you say that or not, maybe it's, you know, okay, I don't need to worry about it because no one's seen it to check up on me. So why are the unutilized or why are the undiscussed? So I want to invite you to open up your, your Bibles. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. If you have a, a tablet or a smartphone, you want to turn on your Bible, please do. Um, if you need a Bible, take one of the ones that are in the seats in front of you. Uh, if you know someone that needs a Bible, please take one. We have those there. Uh, to be used and to be taken and, and gifted however uh, is needed. If you, if you have a digital Bible that needs Wi-Fi, we have that in the room as well. You can just search for Meadowland Wi-Fi and hop on that. Um, as we turn to Matthew chapter 6, I do want to acknowledge that as we do this series, as we're walking through some of these disciplines, um, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, first, welcome. You are welcome in this place. You are loved uh, by us, and we're glad you're here. We genuinely are. and want you to know that Meadowland is a safe place to, to ask questions, it's a safe place to examine your doubts or, or, or issues that you have with the church, with Jesus, with God. God has got big shoulders. He can take your questions. He can take your hurts or your angers or, or whatever you're walking in here with this morning. Uh, um, God wants to hear from you. And so we're glad you're here. Um, If you're not a follower of Jesus, as we talk about these spiritual disciplines, that the desire is to get us to draw closer to God, I would encourage you still to kind of lean in a little bit. And not disengage, but still kind of listen, because what we're talking about today is pursuing God, and that might be your next step. You see, what is a way that I need to pursue God, and and okay, I had this hang-up on this issue, and God, why would you let this happen, Or, or I don't understand this. Maybe this is that moment where it's like, okay, What's a way I can pursue him and, and, and seek out the truth on this matter? And it may not even be through fasting. But I always encourage you to, to lean in and say, how can I draw myself closer to God? So I encourage you to f- feel free to listen and, and engage. Also, I think we can even establish that as basis form, God's word is at least, at least as true as the newspaper. And there's value and there's worth. And I would argue it is much greater than that. This is not just a book. This is not just a, a history record. But this is the word of God which is useful in our lives. But even if, if, you, if you don't believe that, it's still true. and There's still value and worth in it. So I encourage you just to listen in and see what God has to reveal to you this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18, if I can set the scene for you real quick, um, this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. This is towards the, the kind of front end of the sermon. The Sermon on the Mount was uh, early in Jesus's ministry. He was ministering uh, in and throughout Galilee, and it kind of comes to this point where um, there's a large crowd following him, and so he, he goes up on the hillside and the mountainside and begins to preach this message. And he hits on all kinds of different things, and a lot of times he kind of has this uh, process where he says, this is what you understood from the old ways. I tell you, this is what it is now. We're going to see that same pattern with fasting. Don't do it the old way. Here's the new way. So Matthew chapter 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we're just going to walk through this kind of chunk by chunk. Right off the bat, when you fast. We're going to stop right there. We've got to notice it doesn't say if you fast, but it says when you fast. And it's appropriate because the audience that Jesus is speaking to that This would have been a natural rhythm of their lives. The majority of his audience was most likely Jewish and would have had a, a pattern of fasting in their life every Monday and Thursday, two days a week, where they have this time of fasting. It was something that was worked into their schedule. They would have certain holy days where there would be a time of fasting. Um, probably the best example of that would be uh, the, the Catholic denominations uh, a Lent, practice of Lent where it's this time of saying, okay, for these next 40 days leading up to Easter, I'm going to fast from something. I'm going to identify something that I'm I'm going to set out of my life for this time being. Um, This was something that was very common in the life of the Jews. They also would have known all all the Old Testament scriptures, and they would have seen how fasting was used to represent a time of mourning, a time of repentance, a time of sorrow, uh, of drawing close to God in those moments. They would have seen that that fasting happened both individually and in a personal level, and there was a corporate aspect. So this would have been something familiar to them. So when Jesus says, when you fast, uh, it wouldn't have surprised them. But this is not the cultural setting that we find ourselves in today. I want you turn to turn your neighbor real quick. Ask your neighbor: Do you find yourself in a culture of fasting today? Go ahead. Do you find yourself in a culture of fasting today? Any yeses? Probably not many. Yeah, one or two. I don't know. You might. There might be some places where they're doing you know the the, the fasting you know the health food things the. the that are kind of increasing and whatnot places maybe. be, there's a vein where you're really involved in them. that's cool. That's not a bad thing. Um, but for the most part, it, it's something that, that really is not a part of our culture. And yet there's still this sermon that Jesus is giving, uh, which is according to the word of God, it says, when you fast. And it's we, we need to unpack that a little bit. Well, I think first we need to do is, because we're in a culture where it's not that prevalent, where it's not that common, let's really stop and define what we're talking about here. I think a general kind of pulling back, you know, thousand foot view of fasting at one level we could define it this way. Fasting is the voluntary act of abstaining from something for an established time and purpose. It's voluntary, it's abstaining from something for a set time and a set purpose. Uh, I think we have a few ways that we can see this in our own life. If you ever had to go give blood, have a blood work done, or if you've ever been to the hospital for an operation, they typically say you need to fast for X amount of hours prior to your appointment. And so you voluntarily abstain from food for the 6 hours, 12 hours that they ask you to do for the purpose of whatever the medical procedure is that you're having done. There's people that you hear all the time about they're fasting for a physical detox or a body cleanse. There's, you know, maybe... For the next three days, you're only going to drink this concoction of lemonade, honey, and cayenne pepper. Um, and that's their, their meal for the next three days. And, and the purpose, you know, so they're abstaining from all other foods for that limited time for the purpose of cleansing their body of toxins, of, of things that they are built up in their body. That's a fast. We even see, as I mentioned already, Lent, where there's fasting for uh, religious adherence. Okay, well, so the Catholic religion says we, we, you know, the Catholics fast over Lent, and they they identify something to give up for those uh, forty days, and then they set that aside, and, and for the purpose of uh, preparation for Easter. Well, today we want to talk specifically about biblical fasting. And, and we, uh, we always want to caution when we use that term biblical something because uh, if it's something that there's a lot of examples of it in Scripture. Are they all the same? And so if we say, you know, biblical marriage, that's one of those examples. I mean, you have everything from some of the most messed up marriages to ones that we should lift up and say that's what it looks like. And so we say biblical facet, I'm really trying to encapsulate all of the passages that we can see in Scripture, what they call us to do. So while not a perfect definition, for the sake of what Matthew 6 is teaching, what Jesus is teaching us through that, and for argument here this morning, I think this works pretty well. We can call it this. Fasting is the spiritual discipline of abstaining from something that, uh, that is good for a time of increased focus on God, who is great. The spiritual discipline of abstaining from something that is good for a time of increased focus on God, who is great. Let me unpack that a little bit. Fasting is a time of shifting our focus from here to here. Shifting our focus from worldly things like food or or, or electronics or gadgets or or whatever it is that we feel the need to fast from, and and then replacing that, whatever we take out of that picture, with with something that will help us draw here, to draw closer to God, to to help us in our pursuit of of knowing who God is. Typically, that's prayer. As you see in Scripture, fasting and prayer a lot of times go hand in hand. Um, They're not always, um, but you see prayer and fasting a lot of times. Uh, There's a commonality there, uh, just like you could say fasting and, and getting time in God's Word. So the heart is, is to turn our focus heaven, heavenward. It's giving up what's good uh, for the one who dictates what. good. I'm sorry, it, it's giving up what's good for the one who dictates what's good. Uh, a friend of mine has, has a, a smartphone. I saw their uh, lock screen. And it was this picture of this, this nice green background with a little flower. I think it was a daisy. I didn't look that close. But I just saw the caption said, uh, focus on the good, or something like that. And, and the heart behind it, it, it it's a good you know, heart. It's like, okay, well, if, if, you gotta, if you're going through a rough time, you've got to see past the garbage and, and focus on the good. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, I, I like it, but I feel like it's still falling short. Like, how, how would I tweak that? How would I change it? And I started to think about it. I'm like, what decides... Or who decides what is good? I thought of Genesis. As God is is, is making uh, this world, as he's making the things in it, he makes something and says it's good. He makes something and says it's good. And he makes the creatures and the animals and he says it's good. And then he makes man and says it's good. And so we can even go a step beyond that and let's focus on the dictator of good. The one who decides what is good. And so it's shifting our focus from these things that are good for someone, God, who is great. We also need to acknowledge that um, this isn't uh, this isn't talking about sin. We don't fast from sin; we kill sin and remove it from our life. Here's what I mean by the, the term "kill." Uh, Scripture talks about how, how the devil pr- uh, moves around like a, like a prowling prowls around like a roaring lion. A lion roars right before it's about to attack. And there's many of us in our life who, when sin gets into our life, it's like we let this lion into our house, and we, we, we pretend, or we fool ourselves into thinking, it's not going to bite, it's not going to get me. We, we give it a cage, we give it a home in our house, and we feed it a little bit. We say, I got this under control. Dude, that's a lion. That thing does two things. It eats, and it thinks about eating. It's going to kill you. It's going to attack you. And we allow our sin to, 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 to sit in our lives. We don't deal with it. So we don't need to fast from sin and say, okay, you're going to go outside for a week. No, we drag that sin out of the street and we put it down. And then we can use fast as a, as a tool in helping us in our repentance, where we say, okay, I was over here, I'm going to turn, and now I'm going back towards God. And so we don't fast from sin. Sin we need to remove from our lives. So if there's something in your life that God's just laying on your heart where it's like, hey, here's sin. Don't be thinking, okay, that's what I'm going to fast for the, you know, to, in response to this message. No, that's, that's something that needs to be killed and removed from our life. Um, if you need the strength and, and kind of walk in that road, or strength to, to keep from falling back into those ways, yeah, let's, let's, let's pursue fasting for that. Um, and the one other thing we just want to acknowledge before we move on is that we are ultimately fed by God. We were ultimately fed by God. And we see this exemplified beautifully in Jesus when he's just uh, done fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and and the devil comes to him and says, hey, you're the son of God. You could tell that rock to become bread and it would do it. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, my sustenance, my support is from the word of God first and foremost. And so fasting is uh, engaging the spiritual discipline of abstaining from something that is good for a time to increase focus on God who is great. And in doing that, we, there's some old things we need to not do, don't do it this way, and when new things, do it this way. And so let's look at the old way, uh, continuing on our passage here in Matthew 6. Continuing in verse 16 of chapter 6. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. This may seem backwards at first. If you, think about it, if you haven't eaten in a while, you would look gloomy. Okay, so if I'm going to be genuine, the opposite of being a hypocrite, I'm going to look like I'm fasting, right? Well, it's not the physical that Jesus is talking about. It, it, it's the heart. The heart is the issue. If I keep reading, they disfigure their faces, uh, that their fasting may be seen by others. Their goal, their focus, their motive is to be seen by others. And that's where the hypocrite comes in. They're engaging in a spiritual discipline that, that is about pursuing God, but they're doing it for the purpose of being seen by others. That doesn't get you anything. That's the wrong motive. Um, you know, it, it's like that, that one time you, you work out for the first time in a decade and you want everybody to know. You want that acknowledgement of, oh, yeah. You know, so you try to work it up into conversation. Oh, so, so do you work out at all? Oh, you don't? Oh, I I just did. I mean, first time in 10 years, but, you know. We we want that acknowledgement, you know. Well, did you work out because you get to healthy and you can, you know, uh, feel better, or or did you do it because you want to show off to someone? In essence, that's what what the the motive is here. I just want other people to see that I'm fasting. Um, You know, I I need to take a quick aside here because I think there's some other uh, wrong reasons, wrong motives um, to fast that we need to highlight real quick here again. By no means exhaustive, but just a few to hit on. If you're fasting as a holy diet plan, that's a wrong motive. Um, Sure, maybe a side effect of fasting is is weight loss, but if that's your motive, um, I would encourage you to to, to try a different type of fast than a food fast um, because the the motive in there, the heart's not not in the right place. The heart should be towards pursuing God. Um, A side note to that, um, if you're considering a food fast of any kind and you're currently struggling with a... um, uh, eating disorder of any kind, I would encourage you to do a different kind of fast. Do not play with the food fast until you've solved that aspect of your life. Uh, there's some other uh, right views of, of food and, and how it works in your body and how well it plays out that you need to get right with you and God first before you would even consider to, to do a food fast. And so there's other ways you can fast. We'll get to that here at the very end. Um, other wrong reasons to fast. Uh, if you're fasting out of a religious adherence, that is void of the heart. Nothing wrong with doing it if the heart's engaged, but if, if you're saying, hey, it's Lent, so I'm supposed to give something up, uh, I'll, I'll give up coffee. Ooh, stuff just got serious in here. <laughs> yeah, If you just do it just because oh, I'm supposed to do Lent, right? Well, okay, no, that, that's, that's the wrong motive. If it's, hey, you know, I'm going to give up coffee, and every time I would normally go to buy some coffee, I'm going to use that time for prayer. Every time I have a, a craving for coffee... I, I'm going to use it to direct my focus onto whatever this issue is in my life or whatever I want to be praying for or seeking God on, um, you know, then it's, it's the right motive. And finally, here's another reason, a wrong reason to fast is if, if your heart is to force or coerce the hand of God, you got it backwards. If you're saying, God, here's something that I want to play out my life in this way. Uh, I'm trying to buy a house, I put an offer, and I'm not going to eat until they accept my offer. You're trying to force the hand of God we're supposed to surrender to the will of God. You can share your desires. You can you can uh, uh, pound, just fill the doors of heaven with your prayer requests and your supplications, but don't have the motive of trying to force or coerce the hand of God. So, those that go the old way, you know, they, they've received their reward. They're seen by others, and that's kind of their reward. That's it. It's like well, they're seen by others. I mean, it's kind of like uh, um, you know. Nowadays, in certain little league, little league events, um, everyone gets a trophy of participation. It's like, okay, yep, you're fasting. Here's your ribbon. What more do you want? And that's probably all they were looking for at the time because uh, the, their motives were wrong. And so there's nothing more uh, in that. And so Jesus is coming in here, and he's correcting, he's changing this current mindset. He so here's the old way. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. And we even see this change here uh, because in Matthew chapter 9, someone comes to Jesus, they say say to Jesus, why don't your disciples fast with you? Why why aren't they fasting? And he says, well, I'm paraphrasing here, he says, they're with me. If the heart of fasting is to pursue God and Jesus is right there with his disciples, man, let's feast. Let's get out the three turkeys and we'll deep fry one, we'll smoke one, and we'll put one in the oven. Because we're with Jesus. So there wasn't that need for fasting. But even that same passage says, but there will come a time where there'll be a reason to fast again. He's referring to how he, he was going go to go to the grave and then he was going to ascend and then go to heaven and send the Holy Spirit uh, in that time frame where we are now, where Christ has come, but he's not come again for final judgment. And so, again, there's a reason to fast as, as we're pursuing God, working out our salvation. And so he starts in verse 17 here. Anoint your head and wash your face. And I love this because uh, we, we could you know breeze right by this, but there, there's some imagery that would come to mind with his audience when they say anoint your head. Uh, what, probably the most common way that they would uh, have seen this is kind of out of a hospitality sort of thing. It's kind of like when someone comes to your home and you want to, can I get you anything? Can I, uh, you know, a fresh towel? You know, It's probably not a very common thing nowadays, but in the time and place that this is taking place with Jesus, it was a very arid, very dry, very harsh place to be. And so it was common that you'd walk into a home and you'd be offered, you know, can kind I of anoint your head with oil? And in essence, it's like a good lotioning. Maybe, you know, take care of your skin for you. There's a healing aspect to that. There's a refreshing aspect to that. It's kind of like when you go, uh, you fill your sink with cold water and you splash it on your face. But I imagine it's even a bit more than that. I was on a hiking trip with some friends of mine a few years back and um, due to some uh, poor planning, uh, it was about three days before we found a really significant water source. We found a few little streams here and there to kind of fill a canteen and and survive. We weren't weren't like, uh, uh, it wasn't torture by any means. Um, but you know, no shower. Again, okay, we knew there'd be no shower. But imagine hiking and, and working hard, and sweating all that. And, and we finally, well, the second to last day, we get to this one campsite. We put our stuff down. We start exploring. We realize we're like fifty yards from the river. And it was just the perfect, just big enough of a river that it was you know, fresh, cool spring water. You could swim in it. You could swim across. It was deep. It was shallow. We had all those kind of areas. It wasn't too much that you'd get swept downstream. And we just stripped down you know, to, to our, our boxers and jumped in. And it was one of the most refreshing experiences of my life. And that's kind of the heart of anointing in your head. It's like, it's this refreshing, this invigorating, this life-giving aspect in well, I don't believe this was necessarily uh, why Jesus used this term at this point, but I think it, it invokes uh, imagery for us where we stand in history. Because you know, we, we know the whole story of, of what Jesus came to do and how he did it. And so we can say, hey, you know, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The words of Jesus there. Jesus came to give us life. So when I think of fasting, this anointing in my head that invigorates, and it refreshes, that's what Jesus desires to do in my life. Give me, give me life, not just get by. Also, uh, you see uh, anointing of things that were meant for the temple, whether it was an item or a priest that would work in the temple, they would anoint them. It was a cleansing, it was, it was a, a symbol of uh, a purification of holiness. It reminds us that we are holy and blameless in Jesus Christ. We see that in Colossians chapter 1. It was also used to crown kings. It was a symbolic crown when you anoint a king. And it was, in essence, saying that the, may the power and authority of God be with you as you lead our country. And if we think of that imagery of when anointing is used, we can also remember, okay, we're sons son and daughters of the king. John, uh, 1 John 3.1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So right off the bat, when he says, okay, here's how you do it, anoint your head and wash your face, I mean, there's already some thoughts going on, okay, Jesus has come that we can have life, Um, he's he's a king, you know, and we're his children, we're the children of God, and we're holy, okay, so now where are we going, how do we fast? Anoint your head uh, and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. So the heart of fasting is you and God, not you and others, it's you and God. So it's calling us to, Jesus is saying, physically hide the fact that you're fasting. Try your best to look like you look every other day when you're not fasting. I need to point out here, too, that uh, um, being seen fasting is not sin. Someone else knowing that you're fasting is not sin. Where the issue comes in here is when you're fasting to be seen. So that talks about the heart. Being seen fasting is just an event. Oh, i was supposed to have have lunch with my my buddy Wade, and he said he had to cancel. You know, I, I I pressed him on it, and he finally okay, I'm, I'm fasting, That's why I asked not, why I asked to reschedule. Oh, okay, you know, good to, good to know, and leave it There's No sin in that. Nothing wrong with that. Imagine just logistically, if if you know whether it's a spouse or a, a family member, or, you know, a friend that you typically have lunch with every you know every day at, at, at one, and all of a sudden you're just sitting at your, at your desk, and you know, they go and find you. How come you're not having lunch? Uh, I can't tell you. No, I mean, there's, a, there's nothing wrong in people knowing that you're fasting. What Jesus is talking about is when your motive is to be seen, when you're putting yourself out there, like, "Hey, I'm fasting. Pretty cool, huh?" And that's why he says, "Hi, you know, anoint your head, wash your face, freshen up, look like nothing's you know nothing's changed." Seek the the the, the our, our Father in this. We even see that you know throughout Scripture that there, even Old Testament, New Testament examples of corporate fasting. You can't corporately unite under a common goal of fasting if you don't know that other people are fasting. Well, I hope someone else is praying now. No, you got to figure it out. Or, and, and, you know, so there's nothing wrong with other people knowing that you're fasting. And our heart is, is seeking God. Seek and pursue God. Be seen by your Father uh, in secret. And then we see Paul, the Apostle Paul, his heart in this in Philippians 3.8. Uh, when he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's looking at all this stuff that's good. He says, I count all that for nothing in exchange for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus, pursuing God is greater than anything else. I'll I'll, I'll go as far as count all that as loss because this is what matters most in my life. Verse 18 closes there with, your father who sees in secret will reward you and there's no explanation of the reward. Just because he'll reward you and yeah, we can say, okay, we know that, that he's a heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts better than we know how to give as, as earthly fathers. Okay, there's some hope in that. Honestly, this is a little bit of an inference here, but I think the reward is God. The reward is God. I pursued my wife. You know what my reward was? My wife. I put myself where I thought she would be. You call it stalking, I call it pursuit, but I pursued my wife. And I'm rewarded with my wife and time with her and knowing her and, and being with her. I know her more now than I did when I married her. She's not the woman I married, and that's cool. And I thank God I'm not the man she married. That guy didn't have his head on straight. You know, God has grown in us, and we pursue one another. We can do the same thing with God. Let's pursue God, and the reward is God. There's more of Him. That's a beautiful thing. So... um, I'll leave with a picture, and then I'm going to give you some, some, thing, some handles, some things to hold on to, um, and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, imagine you have a child. And if you don't have a child, you, I assume you are a child of someone, and so try to put yourself in your parents' shoes. Uh, it's Christmas and uh, you have a child, and this child has said, Mommy, Daddy, this is what I would really love. Or maybe even say it. You, just, you inferred. You know your child. You know They would love this. And you went out, and you bought them that. And you wrapped it up, and on Christmas morning, you had it ready for them, and you gave them the present. So here you are. You give your gift to your child. Imagine your child receives that gift, sets it down, unwraps it. Oh, it's just what I wanted. This is Oh, this is awesome, Dad. This is awesome, Mom. Thanks. I'm going to go over here and play with it. Oh, I'm having all kinds of fun. I'm going to go over here and do this. I'm having all kinds of fun. And if they never stop and turn around and pay attention to this, the relationship with their father, the relationship with their mother, that present was for nothing. Because they've taken what's good, and if all they focus on is what's good, they're missing what's great. Again, is it wrong to have what's good? No. But the point of that, what's good, the reason that as a father, I want to give good gifts to my daughters is that they would know me and they would know my heart and they they would know their father. That's the same with God. And so what we're doing by fasting is we're saying we have all these blessings, these gifts that God has given us in food, in in technology, in all these other advancements that, that we experience in this modern century. And we're saying, thank you, God. I want to set this down for a minute and so I can talk to you and have more attention with you. I didn't say this in the first one, but it just kind of dawned on me. It's like my daughter with the iPad. Okay, eyes up here. You know, I'm trying to talk to you because that's what matters is that relationship. And so we have to close with the, 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 the same question we asked, is how are you actively pursuing God? What are you doing in your life to actively pursue God? Fasting is one of those tools. If you want to pick it up and use it, I'd encourage it. If you want to pick something else up and use that tool, that's cool too. Uh, I want to give you some handlebars uh, to hold on to with, with fasting, uh, some practical uh, aspects of fasting. There are various types of fasting. Um, fasting is not commanded by Jesus. It's not commanded in Scripture. Prayer is. You know, pray without ceasing. You know, there's all kinds of passages that talk about go and pray. But the closest thing we get for fasting is this. We just looked at Matthew 6, when you fast. But if we have this question of, well, how often should I fast? Um, what's, what's the minimum? Like, you know, how long does it need to be each time I fast? What's the frequency? We begin to walk this road where now we're kind of establishing this checklist where, okay, I did that, I did that, I did that, I'm good. I'm going to go back and play with my toys. And if, if that's the heart, we've missed the whole heart of fasting. It's not, fasting isn't this, have I fulfilled my, my spiritual obligation? Fasting is a, a tool to get to know your father more. And so I think those are the wrong questions to ask. The right question to ask is, is, is how am I pursuing God? Would would fasting help in that pursuit? God, help me to see, is there there something you're putting on my heart to fast from? What does that even look like? Well, here's some examples. A food fast is is one of the most common. And this can be anything from a full fast, where you fast from everything but water um, for a set period of time. Maybe you just skip lunch. Maybe it's going from uh, dinner on Tuesday night. You eat dinner Tuesday night as a family, and you don't eat anything all the way until Wednesday night. You have dinner together. And you you fast in those 24 hours. And remember, we don't just want to not eat. We need to replace it with something else. The point of fasting isn't just to set that good gift aside and let it sit there for a day. The point is to go for what is great, that relationship with our Father. And so maybe it's a full fast. Maybe it's a partial fast. There's there's one you can see uh, in the Old Testament, Daniel. He didn't want to take this food that was sacrificed to pagan gods. And so he tells the slave master, hey, just give us vegetables and some other stuff. and We'll we'll have a different diet. And if we're not as strong as the other guys after a few weeks, okay, then you can deal with us however you want to deal with us. But let us try our our, our food that hasn't been sacrificed to to a a false god yet. And he says, okay, that's fine. And they go with it and, and God shows himself powerful, and so this limited diet they had, you know, God used that in their life. And so you can do a Daniel fast where it's typically something that's just mostly vegetables. Um, so you have a full fast, a partial fast. You can have a specific fast. This is probably typically what you see a lot of people do at Lent where it's, it's a 40-day something, it's a 20-day, it's a one-day. What, what it, the timeline's up to you and God. It's up to you and God. But maybe it says, okay, I'm going to fast from coffee. I'm going to fast from my favorite television show. He didn't go there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fast from a video game. I'm gonna fast from and whatever it is. I, I can list off all these different things. And, and honestly, whatever one kind of stings the most, that might be the one that needs to be set down for a moment to go back to the Father. I even got this, this silly phone on my game, or this silly game on my phone that just it's every you know two minutes here and there. But every time I play it this week. I keep thinking. Wonder if that's what God, you know, be worth fasting over that a little bit and putting that time towards prayer, putting that times that time towards focusing on whatever God's trying to do in my life right now. So this food fast, a, a partial, a full, a specific. You do a technology fast. I've already kind of walked into this. Whether it's a phone, uh, you know, putting down your phone for a day, um, or, or you know, a tablet or TV show, whatever it is. Um, but there are all kinds of different ways you can fast. Um, If you're going to get in any kind of lengthy food fast, let's also acknowledge that God's given us wisdom. Consult the doctor. Talk to your doctor to find out, okay, what do I need to know about this if I want to fast for X amount of days? Um, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do a partial, so I'm going to change my diet significantly, or I'm going to do a full, I'm just going to do water. uh, And work into it. If you say, hey, here's my goal, you know, start small and and see how that goes. Uh, the, The longer you plan on fasting, the more time for prep on the front end and on the back end, I would recommend Um, There's a resource I want to give you. This will stay on the screen for a while. This is uh, convergemidamerica.org, backslash tags, backslash 30 day fasting guide with those dashes in the middle there. Um, This is a resource that's put out by the Association of Churches that we partner with. It's a voluntary partnership. Um, Gary Romeyer is the the, uh, uh, gentleman who put this together. Excuse me. Great, all kinds of great resource, all kinds of. Scriptures on fasting. It kind of helps walk you through some of the specifics, as well as just what to be doing while you're fasting. Um, So consult a doctor if you're going to do anything significant. Um, Drink a lot of water. So just kind of some. I just want to give you a few handlebars to hold on to. Uh, But again, this is between you and God. And so if something came to mind, here's how I can pursue God this week. And has nothing to do with fasting. Praise God. I'm glad you're walking out of here with a heart to pursue God more. If fasting, hey. The second you said coffee, I knew, boom, that was it. Praise God. Whatever's going to draw us together as a church to pursue God more, that's my hope, my prayer for us. Let's pray. Father God, you are God, we are not. You are great, we are good. You've given us good blessings. And we acknowledge you as that giver. We are thankful for you, Father, because you've put these blessings in our lives. Father, we, we acknowledge that, that uh, there's a temptation for those things to become our focus, to become our all. And so, Father, I pray you'd work in our lives. Use fasting if you want to use fasting. Use uh, whatever spiritual discipline that you're calling us to, to pursue, Father. Help us to raise the temperature of our pursuit of you. Father, I, I, I'm excited and expectant for the ways that, that we each will individually grow in our, uh, in our faith, to think of the ways that I've, I've come to know my wife more and the joy of that as I've pursued her. And I, if we were to apply that same fervor and passion to pursuing you, Father God, how much more joy would that bring? And to be able to walk that road with our spouses, with our families, with our friends, with our neighbors, uh, and share what you're doing in our lives with those around us, Father God. Ignite this place. May we walk out of here on fire for you, Father God. Let that light shine to those in our lives. We love you, Father. and We surrender to your will. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen.